So today we're looking at Romans. Um, I, I like to, I believe it's important to give credit where credit is due. So uh, a lot of this comes from uh, resources that Rick and Kay Warren wrote. Um, they put together a package to help people that are dealing with mental illness. And it's called uh, Hope for Mental Health. And the reason they did this was for many years, Pastor Rick Warren also struggled with mental illness, with depression, and they also lost their son who battled his entire life with depression and committed suicide. So they, they want to help us to see what God has to say in his word when we struggle with battles of the brains. I've called it battles of the brains. He calls it battle of the mind. So this is what he, how he describes it. He says, friends, there is a violent battle. Sorry, I'm getting loud and soft. There is a violent battle going on for your life and all around your life, and it's 24-7, right? It's a battle that goes on every day, every day of the week, and for all through your, your day. I have a battle just getting to sleep at night, and so my battle goes almost 24-7 sometimes. And he says, back in, way back in 1965, a great writer, Christian writer named Donald Gray Barnhouse, wrote a book about it. It's called The Invisible War. And the reason it's Invisible War is because we're battling an invisible enemy that sneaks up and often affects our thinking. It's the battle of the mind. The battle is vicious, it's intense, it's unrelenting, it's unfair, because Satan never plays fair. I'm going to add a few words of my own here. Satan uses cheap tricks. He cheats. He lies. He is the author of all lies. And he does it all to capture our minds, capture our hearts, I work personally, I'm the host pastor of something called Celebrate Recovery. And it's a wonderful recovery program that helps people with their hurts, their hang-ups, and their habits, their sins, their character defects. And it's based on the Word of God, and it is so effective. And it started in Rick Warren's church with a gentleman that came to him and said, we need something like AA, a 12-step program that's steeped in God's word, that's going to have the power of God's word to transform lives, that makes Jesus Christ our greatest power. But what we have discovered, up to 50% of the people that are struggling with hurts and habits and hangups in their lives are struggling with mental illness. Now, I've talked to the law enforcement, I've talked to the social workers in North Bay, I don't, this is not a firm figure, but we are also, as a congregation, reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Ken has led a number of homeless people to Christ through our ministry of reaching out and caring for the homeless in our community. And as you probably have heard, the number of homeless is growing, especially since COVID. When I've talked to all these experts that are out there on the streets working with the homeless, they believe 
80 to 90% of the homeless people, at least in our community in North Bay, are dealing with mental illness. And it's sad. It's, they're, they're, you can see them going down. From a person that I once could talk to and look eye to eye with, now is, is just confused. They won't even look at you anymore. They're just like a scared little animal. And so we need to reach out with, to them with the message that Jesus Christ not only saves our souls, but protects our minds and can heal our minds and restore us to perfect health once again. I like to tell little stories. <clears throat> so I'm, only, I'm going to try to restrict myself to one this morning. That's okay. <laughs> and this is just to illustrate how Satan likes to use trickery, okay? So keep that in mind. So there was this gentleman who had ran out of milk at home. We happened to have him to us this week. We didn't have milk at Jesse's, and we had to go out the night before just preparing for breakfast because I always have to have my brand flakes in the morning. And so this man, he had run out of cereal, uh, milk for his cereal for the next morning, so he took his family, he had six in his family, down to the local ice cream place, right, where they also sell milk. And when he went in to get his milk, the proprietor of the store offered him a free ice cream cone. And without thinking, thinking, he said, whoa, free. He took the ice cream cone and then he looked around, down and up. Then his wife caught his eye and he thought, I can't eat this. What's going to happen if he eats ice cream cone in front of his kids and his wife? There's going to be jealousy and there's going to be, it's going to be a rough ride home in the car. <clears throat> So he knew he couldn't give it his wife because the kids would be really upset. He couldn't give it one of the kids. He was really in a predicament. So he gave in to the obvious. He yielded to the obvious and left the dairy, the dairy store with six members of his family, all in tow, each holding an ice cream cone. And of course, he left the dairy store owner behind feeling triumphant because he had sold five ice cream cones and a bag of milk. And that's what Satan does to us. Satan is very cunning. He gives us something that we don't think about at first and we take, right? He lures us in. We think, this is just an innocent thing. I'm going to do this. We let him give, let him give little thoughts little things that start planting other ideas in our minds, and then very soon we are tempted, and he conquers not only our minds but our behaviors and our souls as well. And so we have to be very beware of his trickery. And Romans gives us a little glimpse of why we do what we don't want to do, okay? It's because he's tricking us into doing it. Now, the outline for God, of God's word uh, and the principles here for the battle of our minds on Romans 7, 14 to 25. So I have, of course, every sermon has to have three points. Do you have three points every Sunday? No, he doesn't. <laughs> I, I, I made a mistake when I was a teenager, and I, had to, I, I was asked to speak, and I didn't have any training at all. I had seven points on what it means to be a, a Christian fellowship, and I had a gentleman get up at the back and said, I'm going home. 
before I got verse number seven. So I learned my, so I, I try to keep it to three whenever I can. So, so here are the three things. <clears throat> our minds against slavery and sin in the sinful nature. So we're, our minds are battling every day against our sinful nature. We have this tendency to do the wrong things, and I'm going to explain that later. The second point is our battle against uh, our battle of our brains, what's going on in our minds. And the last thing is how the battle of the mind is won through our rescuer, Jesus Christ. Oh, it's up there. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. That's really good. So that helps so you can see what, where we're going. So the first one is our battle against slavery of sin, the sinful nature in our minds. And most of the verse is talking about that battle. It's a battleground. It's, and, and you'll notice near the end, the mind is mentioned a couple times. But before we go there, there's just a, a little verse I wanted to give you, and it's James, or John chapter 8, verse 34. It says there in God's gospel, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And so when we commit sin, we are becoming enslaved, and our minds become enslaved when we commit sin. Here's another quote from Rick Warren. I don't know about you, but I've noticed my mind doesn't mind. You know, you tell your kids, hey, you mind me. I'm your father. I'm, mind me. I'm your, I'm your mother, or your, I'm, a, I'm your grandpa, grandpa. I forget what the terms are for I and uncle, but I, you'll have to remind me later. In fact, my mind is often disobedient. In fact, it's often very rebellious. It wants to go in a different direction. He says, Rick Warren says, if I want to think a certain way, it go, wants to go another way. I don't know if you've ever had that. I grew up that way. My mind was always out the window and not in school. And so, he says, when I ponder, my mind wanders. When I need to pray, my thoughts drift away. Have you ever done that? Start daydreaming when you're supposed to be praying? Doesn't happen at our prayer meetings here, no. <laughs> Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7 that we had read today, uh, verse uh, 15. And I'm reading from different translations. <clears throat> so it may not be the same as what's up there. Oh, I'll read what's up there. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. <clears throat> when you say you don't understand something, it's your mind that doesn't understand. And so part of this battle begins at the very point of non-understanding why we're doing the things we're doing. It says, instead, I do the very thing I hate. And I don't know if you relate, but I do relate. There's things I just hate, and I'll see a member of my family that I take after doing these very same things, and I've grown up to just be like her. That's where I got the ability to preach, because she was a school teacher. And I'll see, as a teenager, it came very evident that my parents weren't perfect. And I said, when I grow up, I'm not going to be that way. And guess what? I'm that way, just like mom and dad. 
all the things I want to do. Oh, I have great dreams and great projects I want to do. There's so many things I want to do, and I don't get them done. I end up not doing them. And all the things I do not want to do, of course, that I know in my heart are wrong, I end up doing them anyway, right? Watching TV too long or playing video games or whatever it might be, I end up doing things that take away from my precious time with the Lord and with people. This passage itself can be a bit of a mind bender because there, you saw those do's in there. I don't do, 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 do. So we'll try to break it down. First of all, we do not understand ourselves. Why do we not understand ourselves? Because we don't understand that someone else is influencing our mind. We don't see the invisible in, in, the enemy. That's why we don't understand ourselves, right? All the things we want to do, uh, we want to do, we do not do. How many have a to-do list? Do you write out a to-do list of things you need to do around the house? Now, how many get those done every single time? Hey, I never get them all done ever. I have a list for church. I have a list for, for home. I have a list of things I want to do with my family. And I have thing, a list for when I'm... When I, I even have a list for when I'm on holidays that I don't travel all the way to Japan. I do that list. And I never get everything done. So the things I want to do, I do not do. Instead, we do the things we hate to do. And I've already explained that one, uh, that part. So what is going on here? Our brains have lost control, right? The doing part is what our bodies do, right? The doing part is what our bodies do, but it seems our brains are no longer doing in control of our bodies. The main topic here of Apostle Paul, that God anointed with his spirit to break these things, the main point that he's making is the role of the law. So they would send questions. So before he arrived in Rome, they sent him some questions to answer. And so here are some of the questions he appears to have received that he's answering here. The questions are, are we still under the law? Okay, the, the Jews were under the law of Moses, given down by God. We're going to look at that. Is the law sinful? Does it, is it the law that's making it sinful? And, I, I, and the third question is, the, is the law spiritual? So I'm going to answer the first question, uh, the last question first. He makes it very clear in verse 14 that the law is spiritual. He begins that way. We know the law is spiritual. Okay? Answering that question right off. The law is spiritual. Why is the law spiritual? Because it was given by God himself on Mount Sinai. It was actually engraved in stone by the finger of God. You can't get more spiritual than that. A spiritual being making something physical so you can see. It makes it spiritual. Okay? So the law is spiritual, given by the hand of God. The problem is not the law. The problem is us who receive it. We are unspiritual. The law is spiritual. We are unspiritual and sold into slavery to sin. Abram sold out to Satan. He gave in to temptation, ate of the fruit of the tree he was told not to. We acted 
out of disobedience because desire took over. He saw with his eyes, thought about this, and he desired to eat the fruit just as Eve did. And because he sold out to, and became a slave to sin, we all, as a result, are enslaved to sin. So the real lack of self-control is our brains who are now enslaved to sin. And sin controls and dominates us. The other question is, one, one of the other points is, God's law is good. It says that there in verse 16. If I do not do what I, if I do what I do not want to do, I, regr- I agree that the law is good. It's spiritual and it's good. If we did not have the law, we would know good from wrong, right? That's why they ate of the tree. They want a knowledge of good and evil, right? And so there, of course, this I had to consult with my expert in Hebrew here. And uh, Pastor Ken uh, gave me the right numbers to give to you today. So we all know there's Ten Commandments written by the hand of God put on the tablets, right? Ten Commandments. But there was more that God gave Moses. And so there are a total of 979 commandments of laws that God gave to his people Israel through Moses. And 365, uh, 65 almost, is that one for every day of the year? Yes. Imagine that. And they have a different calendar in the Jewish calendar than ours. But they had positive ones. So 365 positive commands. These are things you are to do. Okay, so it fits in here. Things that you are to do. And then there is uh, 614 of things that you are do not do. Okay? So there's those don'ts. So those are all good because they tell us when we're doing good and when we're doing wrong. When we're doing, and the word evil is going to come up a little bit. Sin is living in us because, of course, the fall of Adam. In Romans 7, 17, it says, As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. It's no longer I'm doing it, but sin is living in me now. We've let sin creep in. We are born sinful, but even more comes in when we lose the battle of the mind. Now, this doesn't give us an excuse to say, because sin's living in me, it's not my fault. Okay, we're not off the hook. It's like saying, the devil made me do it. That is wrong too, okay? We are still responsible for our own sins. We are still responsible for our own actions. And you'll, you'll hear that when I've gone into juvenile court with young people and they say, oh, they gave all these reasons and excuses for what they've done wrong. And we are without excuse. We're still accountable for our own actions, no matter who has an influence over us or what our background might be. Now, the next point is good does not dwell in our sinful nature. The sinful nature, again, inherited from Adam. This is what Paul says in verse 18. In verse 18, he says, For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh or sinful nature. 
See, the good doesn't dwell in our sinful nature. The good dwells in God, spirit dwelling in us, right? And so we need the Holy Spirit's goodness to come in and flesh out through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm getting ahead of myself. The, the, the sin that le- dwells in us. And what dwells in our sinful nature? In verse 19, it's evil. For I do not know the good I want to do, but evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. It's evil. It's the evil influence of the enemy that causes us to sin. It is sin that makes us do what we do not want to do. Verse 20, now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I doing it, but sin living in me that does it. So it's the sin and the evil in us that causes us to do what we don't want to do, but it's still, we are without excuse, we are still accountable for the things we do, right? I've already mentioned that. There is another evil law at work within us. So there's good law and there's spiritual law that came from from God, through Moses, but there's also an evil law working in our lives. And that's in verse 21. So I find this law, that's evil law, at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Verse 23. But I see another law at work with me, waging war against the law of my what? Mind. And makes me a prisoner of the law of sin at work with me. Notice, mind, right? Mind. There's a a law of my mind. And so that's what we're looking at today that's making us prisoners. There's another law, an evil law, that's at work and waging against the law of our minds. That Our law governs our bodies, our minds. And our minds, our minds are trying to keep everything under control, everything moving smoothly. And then the, this other evil law creeps in, starts corrupting our minds, and we don't do the things we want to do, and we do wrong things, we do evil things. In our sinful nature, we are slaves to the law of sin. Paul's already said that, but Paul likes to repeat himself so we don't miss important points. And this is in verse 25. So then, I myself, in my mind, that's at the very end, it's 24 or 25b. I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, I am a slave to the law of sin. So this is very key. If you want to have victory, you need Jesus, and you need to allow Jesus to be in your mind, not just in your heart. We always say, oh, invite Jesus Christ into your life and into your heart. But he also needs to be in control of your mind because it's through the, through I, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, allowing the Holy Spirit and God's law and God's word to fill your minds. You will be able to conquer the sinful nature and no longer be a slave to sin. You ever heard that before? That's not preached very often. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a minute. So what is the law of sin? The law of sin is all... The law of sin, does anyone know what the law of sin is? What does sin cause us to happen to us? Death. The law of sin has a death sentence. If you give in to the law of evil and sin... You, the, the, 
The judgment will be death, spiritual death, physical death, right? Therefore, it is not freedom. It is a death sentence. We're imprisoned, we're slaves, and at the end, we are waiting on death rule to be killed, death row. Only Jesus could do something for us. We're powerless. There's one place in there it says we didn't have the ability to set ourselves free. Now let's look at the battle of the mind for a minute. Here's what Rick uh, Warren claims. He claims we're neglecting this battle. He says, in fact, the reason we have so many ineffective Christians today is because we don't know how to fight the battle of the mind. And he says, I blame us, the pastors. That's why I'm preaching on this day, because I didn't realize in all my years of preaching that I hardly ever mentioned the battle of the mind. I focused on Jesus, and we're supposed to be focusing on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our lives, but we also need to realize that we need to allow God's word and God's son to also occupy our minds. So we must spend more time teaching our people how to fight the battle of the mind. He says, as a pastor, it is our job to equip you, to prepare you for this battle. Now, I've been studying this subject, this is Rick Warren again, studying this for 30 Three or 43 years has been longer now since he wrote this. And I did my first study of the books of the Bible on the mind way back in 1977. There is so much material on what the Bible has to say about strengthening your minds. I have preached on renewing your minds. Personally, I love Romans 12 because you want to be transformed it's by the renewing of your mind. And who brings renewal? Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to renew us from the inside out. If we're ever going to see revival and renewal in our country of Canada, it needs to start with us. And it's part of the battle of the mind. We need to submit our minds, he says, bring our thoughts into captivity, right? We're captive within sin. We now need to captivate, allow our minds to be captive to Jesus and his law. There are at least a hundred principles in God's word that have to do with what we are to do with our brains. As I said before, and this is, again, Rick Warren saying this, our greatest asset is our minds. It's our greatest asset. We are going to do a look at some Bible references here in Romans 7. Our minds delight in God's word, okay? That's something you can do with your word. Are you delighting God's word? I do. I get all excited when I have my daily devotion, and suddenly it fits with something I just went through the day before or something I'm going to face that day. I get all excited. I say, wow, how did God know that? And I set that all up. So it, um, sometimes it fits with the message, and I bring in something from my devotional life on the message the next Sunday. So I get all excited, and I delight in God's law, I strive to focus on God's law, but the first thing I do after I have my brand flakes in the morning is I get into God's word, right? The first thing I do, right after I get the sugar going and my brain going, I focus on God's word. 
and I get so excited, and I'm excited for the day, and my attitude, the attitude of my mind completely changes from the grumbling getting out of bed attitude that I woke up with. And then another law is waging war against the law and order of our minds. Consequently, we lose control of our minds, verse 20, 23. But I see another law working in me, waging war against the law of my mind. So first of all, we need to delight in God's word, and then we need to recognize there's a war raging in our minds. And the third point here is this makes us wretched, okay? This makes us wretched. Very simple phrase. Paul recognizes this himself. He says, what a wretched man I am as a result of the battles going on, waging in his body, in his mind, in his soul. He says, I'm wretched, tired, weak, unable to resist temptation or help ourselves or help myself. The Greek word used here, and here's our Greek definition here, this was a military term. It was used in the Greek army of Alexander the Great and many others that were in the military. It was a term that described a soldier in a battle or fight who fought the battle and conflict to complete and total exhaustion. He was exhausted, wounded, abandoned on the battlefield with no hope of survival. That's what that describes. Wretched is that we are totally in defeat. We are feel so isolated. And many people that I work with that have mental illness feel alone and isolated. And they feel totally deflated and they've lost all hope of ever being whole again, whether it's in their bodies or their minds. And that's what Paul's describing here, that wretched feeling that there's never going to be a change in their lives. We try through willpower, through trying to keep our wits about us by our own self-sufficiency and energy alone to gain strength, but many of us still hit rock bottom. We need hope, and we need someone to help us. In this relentless battle for our minds, hearts, and souls against an invisible, persistent enemy, things look bleak and hopeless for us. Doesn't look good. But Romans 7, at 23, gives us hope. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death as the death sentence of the law of sin? Who will rescue me from that? The one and only answer is found in verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivered me through Jesus Christ the Lord. It's Jesus Christ the Lord can rescue and heal even our minds when they're totally in defeat. So the battle of, for our minds is won through our rescuer, Jesus Christ. One day, oh, I, I, was, I, I thought I only had one story, but I have another one. <laughs> it's kind of a story. 
I don't know. Things come to me when I'm in the shower and when I'm brushing my teeth, okay? So one day I'm brushing my teeth and thinking about this battle of the mind, and it suddenly occurred to me that there's a song about this, and I'm not going to sing it. But he's my rescuer, it's called, right? And the name of that song is Rescuer, and then in brackets next to the title of the song, Good News, okay? So if you're without hope, you need some good news. And the good news is Jesus is our rescuer, not just from sin, but for, from everything that ails our hearts and our minds and our bodies. He has the power to completely heal the whole person and restore them to complete health. And so I, that, that song popped into my head. It's, he's my rescuer, he's my rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Evermore. The sin no longer... You heard the struggle that Paul was having. But we can have complete. This is what my father believed. You can have complete, my earthly father, complete freedom from sin through the power of Jesus Christ in your life. Complete. And I've seen that. I've seen people in prison with all kinds of hurts, habits, and especially those habits, freed. From all those things, never desiring to take drugs or alcohol or any of those things again, able to completely let go and completely be set free from sin in their lives forevermore. So I looked this song up on the internet after I got finished brush brushing my teeth, and they had a little write up. These guys that wrote it are called the Wren Collective, and this is what they say about that song. And I thought it was so applicable to today and what we're struggling with. They begin with, hey, everybody, we're Ren Collective. And I don't know how you feel right now, but I feel like there is so much bad news in the world. Every time you turn on, I turn on my TV, every time I look at my phone, I see notifications that tell me there's another tragedy. And there's something horrible going on in this world. And it's totally overwhelming. Why are we getting overwhelmed? Up here, right? Our minds can't handle all this bad news that we keep taking in through multimedia, right? The good news, but did you know the gospel means good news? And the good news has a name, Jesus Christ. He came down from heaven to rescue each one of us. He came down to change our situation. He came down to lift us up from the mud. Jesus is a rescuer, and that's why we wrote this song. There's nothing more to add to this passage of Romans 7. Or there's, or, there's at least not in Romans, but there's far more in verse chapter 8. And I don't have time. I'm way over time now. I'm getting there. And so you're going to have to go home. And at that time when your mind is crisp and clear, sit down and read through Romans 8. Because it tells you more about Jesus and how he can rescue you in whatever struggle that you're feeling overwhelmed in in your life. He gives us strength and he gives us hope. I want to leave. I was really glad to hear there was an acronym last week. It was FAT, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to compare myself to whoever was speaking because we're not supposed to do that. It says do not compare. So don't compare me to last week, especially don't compare me to Sonny, okay? 
because this is not my acronym. I borrowed it from Rick Warren. They love to use acronyms and celebrate recovery too. And so this one's called hope. You ever heard of hope? That's what we need. Our minds need to have some hope. Hope of good news in the world full of bad news. And so these are principles that are going to help you heal your mind and in your battle for truth. And so hope is H stands for higher power. The O of hope stands for openness to change. We find that people are not very open to change sometimes. We get set in our ways, especially us old guys, right? We get very set in our ways. So we need to learn to be more open to change and then open our minds, right? We say somebody that's not open to change is have closed minds, right? They got problems right here, right? So, so the O is open to change. The P is power to change. The power comes from Jesus, and we need to expect change. And that's faith. You need to believe in Jesus, be open to receive him, and, and then expect to see change, wonderful changes in your lives. Okay, power, uh, power, uh, high power. Higher power, of course, is Jesus Christ, our rescuer, our deliverer. And he, God sent himself in human flesh so that we might have the power to be healed, forgiven. And he had the power to conquer the grave and Satan himself. He has been victorious, and that way we can have that same victorious power within us through his Holy Spirit. Back in Romans 11:36 it says, "For everything comes from God alone, and everything lives by His power. We have breath and life by the power of God, and everything is for His glory. To God be the glory forevermore." Amen. 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 Openness to change. I already taught, started talking. I got ahead of myself because this is something I struggle with: being open to change. I'm a change agent, but I still have things I don't want to change. And so we need to be desperate. Many people that we work with in recovery are not open to change until the pain is too great and they are just desperate. Something's got to change. And often that's, we call it going to rock bottom. But we need to start being open to change before we hit rock bottom. Hope, and here's a quote I want to repeat a couple times so you hear this. Hope opens doors of opportunity where despair closes them. Okay, I'll say it again. Hope opens doors. Well, but you say it with me. Hope opens doors of opportunity where despair closes them. And our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. So Ephesians uh, 22, 24, if the translation is not the same, I'm using from the old living Bible. And it's about the attitude of our minds, okay? You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires. Again, desires start in the mind, right? To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Is that there? Attitudes of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What he's saying, you're going to take off the old life, all those old desires, and you're going to put on new clothes. When we get to heaven, we get new clothes, right? A new white garment, representative Christ and Jesus' righteousness being placed on us. So that's what change is all about. It's just like changing your clothes. You take off the old attitudes, the old things that your mind used to 
cloud your mind and you put on something clear and righteous and true. Okay? Power to change. In the past, we have been unable to change some of our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, our character defects, the sins that sort of get ingrained in there and we can't get free and we feel trapped, right? So we need power, a power greater than ourselves. Philippians 4.13. New Living Translation is what I'm using. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Somebody prayed with us that before we started the service. I can do everything. Everything's included. Nothing is excluded. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Am I making noise with this thing in my pocket? Or is that up here? It's up here. It's rubbing on the mustache. The mustache. Okay, here's the last one. E, expect change. Have hope in everything. Have great expectations. I remember reading a Charles Dickens book when I was just a little boy, fairly young, called Great Expectations. We need to live every day. When we jump out of bed, say, God, I am expecting great things from you today. And you know when we do that and we pray that, our day completely changes from those days when we got down the dumps and depressed, right? We need to expect great expectations. We have those great expectations. Philippians 1.6. And I am sure. See, there's that great expectation. I am sure, right? I am sure that God, who began a good work in each one of you, who began a good work within you, and that's in our minds, right? In our hearts will keep on helping you grow in his grace until the day, until his task, again, within you, in your minds, your hearts, and your actions, will finally finish on the day when Christ returns. We sang about a song about, just about that this morning, didn't we? Did you hear that? Were you listening? Was your mind engaged when you were worshiping? He talked about this very thing until Christ returns. That's one of our great expectations. The second verse I have is from, from your homework. You got homework. Did you know you got homework today? <laughs> Read Romans 8. Romans 8, 37. No. In all things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It is a violent and a relentless battle for our brains. Satan knows if he can conquer our minds, he's conquered us. He's got the rest of us, soul, spirit, body. And so he goes for the weakest link sometimes in us, and that's our minds. This hidden enemy often makes us think in our minds that we are isolated and alone. You're never alone. Jesus promised he, we never fight alone. The very last thing he says to his disciples before he's caught up in the clouds with the promise of his return, he says, I am with you always. And he said, again, you can be sure of this. This is how it begins in the NLT translation of Matthew 28, 20. You can be sure of this. Every one of us can be sure of this. I am with you always even to the ends of the age, we are never alone. Jesus is always with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Find hope and power in Jesus Christ today and receive your rescuer, deliverer, 
Savior and friend. Ask Jesus who has already been victorious over Satan to be your higher power. Be open to the healing changes that God wants to make in your mind and in your life and in your heart. Accept Jesus' power for change to overcome your guilt and your sins, your character defects, those little hurts that have just hung on forever, the hang-ups of things you can't let go of, and, of course, those hurtful habits. And then have hope of great expectation of change in your life through this amazing adventure that we all live together in through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for letting me share with you today, and thank you for being such good listeners and keeping your minds engaged. God bless you all.